Good afternoon. We're very glad you're able to join with us to our weekly open-air witness. This week we're coming from Glasgow City Centre in Buchanan Street and we're glad you're able to join with us either in person or on the live stream. We are a, a local Christian congregation. We're part of Free Church of Scotland continuing and we worship at 2 Thornwood Terrace, Upton Barton Road and you will come to the police station. Opposite the police station go up the hill and you'll come first of all to Thornwood Primary School and then you'll meet our building on the crossroads. We would give you a warm welcome. Come along any Lord's Day, that Sunday at 11 a.m. or in the early evening on at 6 p.m. And we extend a warm welcome to you. And we also have a midweek meeting on Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. And again, we do extend a warm welcome to anyone to come along. We would make you warmly welcome. But we come out with the gospel once a week. And this week we're on Buchanan Street in the city center of Glasgow. And we're delighted to be able to come out and to bring something of the Christian gospel to you this afternoon. And friends, I'm not shouting out radicalism, cutting bits and pieces off people, having them powers in law, that'll be next to the arsehole. Because, uh, sir, I'm a minister of the gospel. But, but, but the, we don't do, we don't concern ourselves with politics. No, no. Well, we're more concerned about eternity, sir. Eternity. We're all heading towards eternity, and we have good news for the population today. We have good news for the people who are in Buchanan Street and the people who are listening online. The good news of the Christian gospel and. Friends, where will you find good news today? You'll not find it in the media. You've got to be very selective what you listen to and take on board, whether you get your media from the print or from social media or from television. You have to be very, very selective because these channels tend to give you what they want you to hear. But in Christianity, friends, you get real good news. You get good news that has come down to us from heaven. And therefore, it is worthy of our attention. Indeed, the matter that we're going to bring to your attention this afternoon is of paramount importance. Which heaven? There's only one heaven, sir. Yeah, there is many Bibles. No, no, there's only one Bible. There's only one Bible. Virgin and are not the same. You memorize it. You memorize it. I can't memorize it all. I memorize page to page. What would you say? And I'm not Christian. I don't know what to say. I memorize page to page. But do you know the Savior? Okay, let me tell you. Do you know the Savior, sir? I tell you now. That's why I will teach you. Yes. There is no Christian at the face of the earth memorize it. I memorize it in Hebrew and I know it in Greek. There is nowhere in Bible it's Jesus that I'm God worshiping. Well, 
I understand. As we work from your own mind, we no, no. not there. Why is something is there? They have been removed. Well, there is 73 book. There is no, no. There's only 66. Yes, you throw seven out. No, no. Like Roman Catholic and the uh, Sir, you're asking me questions and you're not giving me a chance to okay, answer. Tell me what you want to say, I will answer you. I'm telling you about the Saviour. Five cases of incense in this book. Have you been you saved? To read it to your kids. Have you been saved? saved? I saved by God who created Jesus and me and you. Jesus is, is a man. Jesus is No, no. He's a God in the flesh. He don't know nothing. He's he proved it. He knows nothing. I don't know nothing. In his humanity, that's yeah, true. That's true. So that but, he can't be God. God is two godly things. God is quality, is a God. He is no God. He, he is God in the flesh. That's my savior. My friend, these people are understanding who is the God. No, no. You, you're getting confused, sir. You're getting confused. You can memorize what you like. You need to know the savior. You'll not, you'll not be saved by memorizing the Bible. You'll be saved by having Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior. We're not urged to memorize the Bible. What we are urged to do is to have our faith in Jesus Christ. It is a good thing to memorize the Bible. That's true. And we should encourage people to read and to memorize their Bibles. But no one will be saved by memorizing the Bible. The only way to be saved, friends, is through believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And that indeed is the good news that we bring to your attention this afternoon. Thank you, sir. Hello. We can't hear our door entry system due to the volume on your microphone. Please turn, turn your microphone down. Thank you. Thank you for your communication. Thank you for welcoming me to Buchanan Street, where I have a, a commission to go forth and to preach something of the unsearchable riches of Christ. What a glorious privilege it is to be able to stand on Buchanan Street here in the very city centre of Glasgow and to tell people about a glorious Saviour. And the first thing maybe that we need to ask ourselves is in order that we might appreciate the Saviour why do we need a saviour? Why do we need a saviour? What was that, sir? I missed it. Don't listen to him. No, I won't listen to him. No, you're quite right. But why do we need a saviour? That's a good question. Well, we need to do a wee bit of digging deep. We need to go to the foundations of what we're all about. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's the very first verse in the first book of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And God is the one who has created all things, everything, the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, the animals, the insects, the plant life, sea life, bird life, human life. He is the great creator. He is the one who has given life. He is life himself. And God alone can give life. And God alone sustains life. And therefore, 
He is our Creator. And because He's our Creator, we are accountable unto Him. Oh, very nice, sir. Very nice. You know, the Bible has a word for young folk. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Here we are, friends, on a Friday afternoon. I believe there's a, a big music festival on in Glasgow this weekend. And many people, no doubt, are on their way to this music festival. What is it? It's nothing but a great glorified party. But what happens when the party's over? What happens when all the music's finished? And when all the, the drink has been consumed? And when all the drugs have been taken? And all the things that go on at a music festival come to an end? Monday morning comes round and you still have your same old problems. Nothing's disappeared. Has it not? Is that not true? You, you can maybe, maybe for a few hours, for a few days, you can immerse yourself in fun and happiness as you describe it. But then you wake up on Monday morning, maybe with a terrible sore head and with many, many regrets, and you have to face the same problems. Well, you know, the Bible has the answers to these questions because the Bible addresses things that are vitally important things that we will not consider ourselves and things that you will not hear in the media for instance why are we here that's a very good question is it not sensible people will think about this why are we here why is it that we're here that we have minds that we have bodies that we can do certain things why are we here well the bible tells us obviously we're here because God has created us. And therefore that should in some sense fill us with a sense of pride. Not pride in ourselves as such, but pride that we are made in the image of God. God created man, male and female, after his own image in knowledge, righteousness and holiness, with dominion over the creatures. Now, if we're to take in these things, if we're to ponder them for a, for a few moments, that we're made in the image of God, that would tell us then, friends, we're made for higher things. We're made for God. That's the purpose of our lives. Sadly, so many people live as if they're here to please themselves and do what they want. No, we're not. No, we're not. We have been created in the image of God. And therefore, we have been created for a purpose. And the Bible would teach us that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. When it says man's chief end, it means the purpose. That's why we have been created. We are here to serve our Creator and what's more, by serving our Creator we will be fulfilled and we will have a life that's worthy of a name called life. 
That's what Jesus said. Jesus, the Son of God, the one who came down from heaven, He's the one who said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You know, many people this, this afternoon as they're going to this music festival, they'll be thinking to themselves, well, this is what life is all about. It's all about being happy. It's all about getting drunk. It's all about taking drugs. It's all about engaging in, what can we say, to be charitable, premarital sex or whatever. This is what it's all about. This is life. No, says the Lord Jesus, that's not life. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And the fr friends, we have to realize that as far as the Bible is concerned, we don't have the life, the quality of life that we should have until we come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is our Lord and our Savior. Because by nature we're dead in trespasses and sins. Now what does that mean? We might not be familiar with that term, but it's a biblical term. You'll find it in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, where Paul tells the Ephesians, who were now Christians, that once upon a time they were dead in trespasses and sins. What that simply means is they did not have any spiritual life. The life of God was not in them. They had physical life like you and I have today. All of us here, we have physical life. But because of nature, because of the way that we are born, we're born in sin, and therefore we do not have the life of God in us by default. And in order to know the life of God, something must happen, something glorious and something wonderful must happen to us. And this is what, what has happened to every true, genuine Christian. What has happened? They know that experience when they have been born again. Born again by the Spirit of God. I wonder, friends, do we know anything about that? Do we know anything about that new life? that the Lord Jesus Christ talks about, that we need. You know, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, and I would urge you to read these things for yourselves. When you get home, and when you consult your Bibles, read these things. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, there's the, there's the reference for you. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He is describing a real Christian. You might have met people who would call themselves Christians. And you wonder about them. Maybe they go to church. Maybe they don't go to church. And maybe their life is no different from your life. And you're beginning to wonder, are they really Christians? Well, Paul is describing what a real Christian is like here. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. A new creature 
that's what Jesus gives. It's new life he gives to you. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And therefore, I want you to ask, I want to ask you this question. If you call yourself a Christian, do you know this new birth experience? Jesus said to Nicodemus, ye must be born again. Ye must be born again. You cannot see, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God unless you are born again, unless you know this new life experience. And this is what Paul is relaying here in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This would remind us, therefore, that to become a Christian is to have new life. It is to be wonderfully and gloriously transformed. And that can only happen by the Spirit of God. God alone makes Christians. No one but God can make a Christian. And therefore, friends, if you want to be saved, you must indeed follow the way that the Lord Jesus Christ has laid down for us in the Word of God. He began his public ministry by saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, and be ye converted. Now, why do we need to repent? Well, we need to repent because of sin. There's a word that you don't hear much about. You won't hear it in the media. And maybe even if you go to a Christian place of worship, you will not even hear it there. But it's a good old-fashioned gospel word. You'll find it in the Bible. Because there in the Bible, God addresses our greatest need. What is our greatest need? Well, if I was to ask you what your greatest need is, you might say it's something like, well, I need some more money, or I need a new job, or maybe I need a, a bigger flat or a bigger home, or maybe I need something far more basic than that. <coughs> maybe I need some water to drink. Or maybe even I need something to eat, or I need some clothes for my back. Some people are very poor today, and they have great needs. But friends, all of these needs, however great and real they are, are nothing in comparison with our greatest need. And this greatest need is something that affects every one of us. What is it? It's our own personal sin. Our own personal sin. What is sin, you might say? Sin is any want of or transgression of the law of God. That's what it is. It is not keeping God's law or it is breaking God's law. That's what sin is. That's how the Bible describes it. Sin is any want of or conformity unto the law of God. Now, when we began, we said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And we went on to say that 
God is the one who has created all life. And that includes human life. And we also said, God created man, male and female, after his own image, in knowledge, righteousness and holiness, with dominion over the creatures. And therefore, because God is our creator, God has given us a law to obey. Now that's entirely reasonable, is it not? It's entirely reasonable. Here we are, we live in a democracy, and we have certain laws and rules and regulations that we have to obey. And the more that we're obedient to these laws and regulations, the better life will be for us. You could think, for instance, of the highway code. You could think about the laws that govern how we drive, how the private individual drives, how the cyclist moves and how the bus driver and the taxi driver they have rules and regulations that regulate how we do these things and it's for everyone's benefit is it not there would be utter chaos on our roads if we didn't have a highway code well it's exactly the same with life God is the one who has given us life God is the one who has created us and therefore he has given us our law. Where is that law, you might say to me? Well, that law initially was written on your own heart. Every human being, because we're made in the image of God, has this law upon his heart. It's engraved upon the heart of every one of us. There's no point in shaking your head. You know it's true. You know it's true because your conscience is telling you. And I'm only pricking your conscience. And when you're shaking your head, what you're doing, you're shaking your head against the knowledge that you know. Because the Bible has revealed this to us. We have the law of God etched or inscribed on our hearts. But because of sin, and we'll discuss that later, because of sin, that law is somewhat out of focus, or it's defaced, or it's scarred. It's not as clear as it should be. But God has given us this law in his word. We have it in his Bible. He gave, it, he gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. There God wrote the law on two tables of stone. Why did he write them on stone? He wrote them on stone that we might recognize that the law of God is permanent. It's permanent. Because some will tell us that the law of God is only for the Jews. Or it's only for the Old Testament. Or it's old fashioned. But nonsense friends. That's not the case at all. The law of God is applicable to every one of us. We have it in our hearts. And God has given it to us in his word. And therefore we are to be obedient to that law. What is that law? Well, the law is called the Ten Commandments. And God has given us this law in order that we might live together happily and in order that we might please God. But here is our problem. Here is our real problem we have. We cannot obey that law. Why can we not obey it? We cannot obey it because of sin. If we go back again to the beginning, and we must take our theology and our teaching from the very beginning, 
In the beginning, God created Adam. He created him out of the dust. And Adam was perfect. And from Adam, he created Eve. And she was perfect. And they were both perfect. And they had a time when they enjoyed fellowship and harmony and unity with their great creator, God. They were living as human beings should live. They were living in harmony with God. But a day came when things changed. What changed? Eve listened to Satan. She ate the forbidden fruit and she gave that fruit to Adam. And he ate it. And ever since that time, sin came into our experience. And because we have come from Adam and Eve, every one of us, they are our first parents, we have inherited their sinful nature. And because we have this sinful nature, no matter how hard we might try, we cannot fully obey the law of God. That's why the Bible tells us we are sinners. We don't like to be told this because we're inclined to think, well, we're all right as we are and God surely will accept us as we are. But that's not the case. Why is that? Because God is perfect, absolutely perfect, and he demands perfection from his creatures. He demands what we cannot give. He demands what our first parents could give before they fell. But ever since they fell, they could not give this perfect obedience to God either. That's your problem. That's my problem. It's a problem that's insurmountable. We cannot address it ourselves. All other religions seek to address it by doing things in order to please God. The religion is man-made. It's made up by themselves. It's made up by man. But it cannot please God. And it cannot address our greatest problem. But we have good news for you this afternoon. That good news is that God has addressed this problem. Yes, God has addressed it. And as you go to your music festival, be assured, be assured that the problems that you're taking to your music festival will still be there. The music festival will not erase your problems. Your sin problem will remain. And the only way that your sin problem can be dealt with is by coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way to be saved. That's the only way to be reconciled to God. Why is that? It is because He is the one God has provided. He is the one whom God has sent to address our greatest need and our greatest predicament. He is the one and there is no other. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth and the life. 
No man cometh to the Father but by me. And that's why we're able to say with charity that all other religions are false. It doesn't matter what name they call them. All other religions are false. They cannot save. All they do is deceive mankind. This is the great work of the devil. He uses religion to deceive. Only Christianity, friends, has come from God. Jesus Christ is the only one who has come down from heaven. No one else has ever come down from heaven. There's, there's something that makes Christianity unique. No one else has come down. He's the Son of God, the eternally begotten Son of God. And He's the one who has come down from heaven in order to do what? Well, the Bible tells us, in order to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's how the Bible describes us, by nature. By nature we're lost. Yes, it may seem strange to us, but that's how the Bible describes us. By nature, we are lost. We are dead in trespasses and sins. Lost, without God, without hope in this world. And if we are not saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall perish. Well, is it not a wonder then, that when we have such good news, that there is a Savior, that we would come out on the street, even on a wet afternoon, and that we would tell people about the good news from heaven, how Jesus Christ has come to seek and to save that which was lost. We remind ourselves again of what we find in the Bible, describing the Lord Jesus Christ and his ministry. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus has come into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. That's what the Apostle Paul said. The great Apostle, you might not know much about Christianity, but no doubt you've heard about the Apostle Paul who was the most experienced and exercised Christian ever to live. And he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. Therefore, friends, we come out this afternoon that you might know there is wonderful hope today. There's good news. There's good news in Glasgow today because we're able to tell you the way to heaven from Glasgow what is that way? That way is found in Jesus Christ alone. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life for ransom for all, to be testified in due time. And the time has come, friends, he came. God gave our first parents a promise when they fell, that he would send a deliverer. Well, he sent a deliverer, and that deliverer has come in the fullness of time. God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, 
to redeem them under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Well, friends, that promise has come and the Lord Jesus Christ has come down from heaven and he's done everything that was required of him in order to save his people. What, did, what had he got to do? Well, he had to live a perfect life and then he had to offer up a perfect sacrifice. And he did that, friends. He did that. And what's more, we know that his work was accepted. Why, was, why do we know his work was accepted? Well, we know because on the third day he arose. He came out of the grave. Is that not good news today? That we can tell mankind about the Savior who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel? Is that not good news? Should we keep this to ourselves? We need to tell this to everyone, surely. Why do we need to tell it to everyone? Well, there's a number of reasons. But one reason is, we're all sinners and we all need a saviour. The Bible tells us quite clearly, and you, you can find it in your own Bibles, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the Bible's verdict upon my life and your life. That's the Bible's verdict upon the life of every one of us. And there are no exceptions. For there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And therefore this message is for every single one of us. And this message is for every one of us because we're all mortal. We are all mortal. I'm telling you nothing new here. We're all going to die one day. Here, this world is but like a hospital. And the only way out of this world is by death. And every one of us will die. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. But friends, we want to tell you about Jesus Christ, the eternally begotten Son of God, the one who came down from heaven, and the one who has abolished death through the gospel. That one who suffered and died. And that one who was put in a tomb. But on the third day, he arose. Do we understand the significance of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? Friends, because Jesus rose again, we shall all rise again. The resurrection of Jesus guarantees the resurrection of every one of us. The likelihood is that all that I can see today and all who can hear this today will pass into eternity. We can't be certain, no, I realize that, because the day will come when Jesus will return. But the likelihood is we'll all pass into eternity and we'll all experience that experience called death but that is not the end because we shall rise again we shall come out of our graves 
we shall stand before King Jesus. We will give account of ourselves. <coughs> For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We should all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Even those who go to a music festival. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that he hath done. Whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We persuade men. That's why we come out friends. Because of this great sin problem. And only Jesus Christ can address it. And it's vitally important for you that you take this on board. Because you are sinners. And you need a saviour. And that only saviour is Jesus Christ. And friends, you can reject him. You can laugh at him. You can despise his word. But one day you'll meet him. One day you'll stand before his great, great white throne. And you'll give account. I'm going to take a short break, but may God bless his word to you this afternoon. Good afternoon, it's good to be here. We're here from Partick, Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We're a, a local congregation, a Scottish registered charity. To Thornwood Terrace. That's just up to Barton Road. And when you come to the police station... Opposite the police station, if you go up the hill, you will come to Thornwood Primary School, and then you'll meet our building on the crossroads next door to it. And we extend a warm welcome to you. We meet on the Lord's Day Sunday at 11 a.m. and again evening at 6 p.m. We also have a midweek meeting on Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. And we do sincerely issue to you a, a warm welcome. Please don't feel in any intimidated. You might be wary about coming along to a place that you've never been before. Or maybe you've never been to a Christian place of worship. Or maybe you're out of the habit of going to worship. Whatever the reason, it doesn't matter. Please come along, you will be welcome. As we say, we're from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing. And we do tend to come out on a Friday at this time with the Gospel. We come out because we have a commission, Saviour, to go forth and to make disciples of all nations and to teach them all the things that Christ and want to be true to that commission and we also come out because we realize that today few people actually go to a, a Christian place of worship and because of that they don't hear the gospel they don't hear the good news from heaven they don't hear God's message that all of us must hear and respond to. 
and therefore we feel it's incumbent upon us to come out and to get away from our pulpits, get away from our church buildings and come into the marketplace and the city center because we ultimately believe we have the, the best news that anyone can possibly hear. What is this news? The news is that the Son of God, eternally begotten Son of God, has come down from heaven. He's come down, friends, not to condemn us. He could have done that in heaven. But he could never save us until he came down from heaven and become just like us. Now this, this is a complex subject, but that's true. The eternally begotten Son of God could never save us if he remained in heaven. He had to come down. He had to be like us. He had to take our nature. He had to live in this world as a man. He had to live a perfect life. And he did. Even his enemies, even those who betrayed him, recognized that he was innocent. Judas, after he had betrayed the Lord Jesus, what did he say? I have betrayed innocent blood. He knew that the Lord Jesus had lived a sinless and a perfect life. And what did Pilate and what did Herod say? They both said, we find no fault in this man. He's not worthy of death. Pilate was simply going to flog him and let him go. But no, the people cried out, crucify him, crucify him. We will not have this man to reign over us. And friends, wicked as these men were, it was all part of God's plan in order to save us because having lived a perfect life the son of god therefore was able then to offer up a perfect sacrifice as our substitute he was able to offer up a perfect sacrifice to pay the price of our sins you see sin is no light matter Oh, I know he did. He changed the world upside down, my dear. I, I'm sure he did. You can't deny the existence of Jesus. It's foolishness. The whole world has been transformed by this one individual. Time has been changed because he came into this world. To deny the existence of Jesus is ludicrous. You might not believe in him. I understand that, but to say that he never exists is ridiculous. It's like burying your head in the sand. He has turned the world upside down, and he is still turning the world upside down, and he's still transforming lives. That's what happens when someone becomes a Christian. Their life changes. One moment they were on the broad road that leads to destruction, the next moment when they call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, what happens? They're on that narrow road that leads to life. They have been transformed. 
they have been taken from the kingdom of darkness and translated and put into the kingdom of light. They now belong to God. They're in God's kingdom. They have the life of God in them. That's what Jesus does. And he's still doing it today, friends. He's not lost his ancient power. He's still saving. He's still transforming. And therefore, I put it to you, honestly, sincerely, if you deny the existence of Jesus, it's quite simply ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. And that's why we come out this afternoon to tell you about him. Because, friends, this is the person you need. You need. You don't need religion. There are masses and masses amount of religions. I think someone counted them recently. About 4,200 it was quoted. 4,200 religions. Well, there's only one person that can save. And who is that person? That person is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That's terrible language. Terrible language. That's terrible. In the public, and the women and children. That's terrible, sir. You want to control your tongue. Thou not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord not hold them guiltless who taketh his name in vain. Shame on you, sir. Shame on you. Unleash your wrath like that in public. Here's a verse that's very appropriate. Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. That's, that's what we find today, friends, in society. Mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Cursing and bitterness at the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent and believe the gospel, sir. That's what we need to do. In the book of Romans, Paul outlines society that he found in the first century. And this is how he described it. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out away. They are together become unprofitable. There is none doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Does that not describe our society today? You know, people will tell me, the Bible's an old book, the Bible's out of date, when in fact, friends, the Bible is bang up to date. The Bible speaks to modern society. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And the fear that the fear that's been spoken about there is the fear of reverence. 
No one reverences God today. There is not that sense of awe and amazement and wonder and adoration and worship that should be associated with God today. That's the society that we live in. Well, that's the society that Jesus Christ came to redeem. That's the society that he came to save. Because he came, he said himself, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And I have not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. This is what the Savior does. This is what he wants to be known as, as a Savior. He could have come as a destroyer. He could have come as a judge. But he came as a saviour. And friends, is this not wonderful? That the Son of God has come down in order to seek and to save that which was lost. And he did all that was required in order to save men and women and boys and girls. What did he do? He became like us. Upon himself. A true body and a reasonable soul, the Bible says. If you were to see the Jesus when he was around some 2,000 years ago, he would just any other man. There'd be no different. But the flesh veiled his glory because he is God in the flesh. And he had to be God. Why had he got to Never save us. He could never he could never stand up to the evil one. Adam was perfect. The first Adam was perfect, but he could not stand up to the temptation of the devil. What as the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, he was able because he is God in the flesh. We're here from Partick, Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We want to tell you something more about the, the person, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because this is the one that you must put your faith and your hope and your trust upon. No one will be saved unless they have Christ as their Lord and Saviour. And there are one or two people here this afternoon and they're handing out gospel tracts. We would be very glad if you would take a tract. It may well be that you're not able to read it at the moment. Well, you can easily slip the tract into your pocket, take it home. It's got our contact details on it. And we put our contact details on it for at least two reasons. One would be that you would know about us you would know that we're a genuine Christian congregation. We're not fly-by-night characters. We're not charlatans. We minister in the Partick area of Glasgow, and we have done for many, many decades. And therefore, you're to know that we are genuine, bona fide Christians. And also, we put our contact details there because you might want to get in contact with us. We offer a free Bible to you. Many people today do not have a Bible. Well, if that be the case, and you don't have a Bible, 
and you might have difficulty in buying one should you want to buy one well come to us make yourself known and we will do what we can to give you a bible a free copy of god's word for yourself with the hope and the understanding that you would read it for yourself no obligation no one will be at you simply we'll give you the bible and we hope and expect that you will read it for yourself we want to look at a moment at one verse we have in the prophet Isaiah a prophet what is a prophet a prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of God to the people that's what the Old Testament prophets were they were people who received a message from God and then they conveyed that message to the people and the prophet Isaiah is one of the major Old Testament prophets and he says in one of his prophecies in Isaiah chapter 45 verse 22 he says look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else now in case you're listening and wondering well he wasn't speaking about himself he wasn't when he says look unto me he's not saying look unto the prophet no he's talking about someone else he's talking about the Savior the Savior who was who was to come the Savior who had been promised from Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 and who came in the fullness of time look unto me look unto this prophet look unto this person and be ye saved who is that person he's referring to that person is none other than the Son of God who became the Son of Man the Lord Jesus Christ and he, the prophet is telling the people there to look unto Jesus Christ and be ye saved is this not remarkable you know many people think that when they pass on into eternity and when they meet God somehow they think that they'll be ushered into heaven somehow they think that they're fit for heaven and they have nothing to worry about the Bible does not teach that at all the Bible tells us that we have to be saved what do we need to be saved from what do you need to be saved from what do I need to be saved from well we need to be saved from our sins we have a problem we have a problem that's beyond us we have a problem that we probably have not identified and even if we do identify it we don't really know how to address it or if we try to address it we try to address it with our own ways and our own means there's a verse in the Bible that's very apt and appropriate to quote here there is a way that seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death there's a way that seems right to the natural man 
Now we're all natural men by nature. And there is a way that seems right to us. When, when we become conscious of our sin, and when we fear meeting God, and when we want to try to get right with God, there's a way that seems right to us. We try to get right with God using our own ways and our own methods, things that we have devised ourselves. And usually it's like turning religious or maybe turning to charity, trying to do good works. And we hope that by doing this good works and by the change in our lives, then we'll somehow will please God. Well, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. And what that simply means is, if we're trying to get right with God, we must use the way that He has provided. And any other way, any other way will not work. It will not produce the desired effect. That's what we must grasp. This is one of the things that makes Christianity unique. Christianity is a record of what God has done for mankind. All other religions, and all of them without exception, fall into this category. All other religions are man's efforts to get right with God. Man upon the earth is trying to climb up to heaven by his own efforts. And he will fail. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And when we embrace our own way, we neglect God's way. Now what is God's way? God's way is Jesus Christ. He himself did say, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And what that means is, no one will get to heaven, no one will be found safe in eternity, unless they have Christ as their Lord and Savior. There is no other way. There's only one God, and there's only one Savior. And there's only one way to that God. It's through the mediator, Jesus Christ. So which way are you taking, friends? We're all on this road. We're all on a conveyor belt. Where's that conveyor belt taking us? Well, maybe that's true, but you know, there's another way. There's a way that takes us to heaven. And that's what we want to tell you about today. <coughs> we want to tell you today that from Buchanan Street, there's a way to heaven. You know, I once asked a Jehovah Witness, can you tell me the way to heaven? 
and he was kind of perplexed. He couldn't tell me. Why could he not tell me? He couldn't tell me because he doesn't know. And the Jehovah Witnesses are a false cult. Don't listen to them. You'll see them all over the place. But they're not Orthodox Christians. They might use the same kind of language that Orthodox Christians use, but they are not genuine. They are deluded, and they are trying to delude others. And this poor gentleman couldn't tell me the way to heaven. Whereas a true, genuine Christian will tell you the way to heaven. Do you know the way to heaven, sir? Do you know the way to heaven, madam? I'll tell you the way. Jesus is the way. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. None will be in heaven unless Jesus takes us. Who will he take to heaven? He will take all that will come to him. All without exception. He will take them. What must I do then? Well, you must go to him. No point in coming to me. No point any other clergyman or minister of religion. Don't go near a pope or a priest or a cardinal or a bishop. Don't go near them. They cannot save you. There's only one who can save. Who is that? It is Jesus Christ the Lord and him alone. That's who you must have. You must have dealings with him. And all we can do is like John the Baptist, we're only a signpost. We're only directing people to Jesus Christ the Lord. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And this Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, can take away all of your sins, all of them, without exception. And you might be one who is troubled by your sins. Well, I'll tell you, you should be troubled because God is a holy God, an absolutely holy God. And he will not tolerate sin. But blessed be God, he has done something about it. Because God saw us lost and perishing. He saw us without hope in this world. He saw us going towards a lost eternity. He saw us going to hell. And what did he do? He sent forth his Son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in him should perish have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. I'm sure, friends, as you're passing by here this afternoon, I'm not being rude, but I would believe that you have hard views of God. You have hard views of the great God of heaven. Well, friends, we need to change our thinking. Because it was the love of God that sent forth the Savior. It wasn't because mankind deserved to be saved. It wasn't because mankind cried out to be saved. It was because God had mercy and demonstrated his love towards lost humanity that he sent his son 
to this world. There's a very apt and appropriate verse in the Old Testament in Micah chapter 7 verse 18. Read it in your own Bibles when you get home. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. That's the God of the Bible. That's the Christian God. A God who delights in mercy and he has shown mercy to millions and millions in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what makes the Christian God unique. He delights in mercy. Delights in mercy. Cannot be said of the God of Islam. Can the followers of Islam, can they tell us that their God delights in mercy? Can they tell of the joy of having their sins forgiven and being reconciled to God? Can they talk about an atonement? Can they tell us how God has dealt with sin as the Christian God has dealt with sin? How he has addressed our greatest need and greatest predicament? I don't think so. I don't think they have that. I don't think they have that assurance at all. But the Christian friends, once we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what? Your sins are forgiven. They are forgiven in the present tense. We don't wait for eternity. Jesus said, the Son of God said, Verily, verily, he says, Amen, Amen. Listen to this. I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. What a glorious message. What a message of freedom. What a message of forgiveness to be experienced here and now. We have in the gospel when we come to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. In the gospel we have everlasting life now in bad form. And one day we will know the full expression and extent of eternal life. But the Christian knows his sins are forgiven now. Is that not wonderful? Would you not like to know this blessing? Would you not like to know what it is to be right with God now? Here and now? Yes. This is no fairy tales. This is the truth as it is in Jesus. Amen, amen, he says. I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth in him that sent me hath everlasting life. This is what we all want. None of us wants to die. We don't want that. Death is not natural. It's normal because of sin. 
but it's not natural. We were made for eternity. We were made in the image of God and we were made to live forever. And this is what we have in Christianity, in the Lord Jesus Christ. He that heareth my word, you're hearing his word today. If you will believe upon him, you will know this. If you truly believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you will know. What does it say? He that heareth my word and believeth in him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. By nature, friends, today, if we don't have Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we are under God's wrath and God's condemnation. John chapter 3 verse 36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Do you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ? What does it mean to believe upon the Lord Jesus? What it means is you trust upon Him. You look to Him. You're relying upon Him to save you and Him alone. You're not relying upon your own works. You're not relying upon any other person. You're not relying upon re your religion. You're not relying upon anyone but Jesus Christ. He that believeth in the Son hath everlasting life. Do you believe upon Jesus Christ? And, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. You know, here we have the whole of society, the whole of humanity divided. Those who believe in Jesus and those who do not. Those who believe in Jesus, they have everlasting life. Those who do not believe upon Jesus shall be condemned. They will not know life. What will they know? They will know hell and they will know the pains of hell forever and ever. Friend, there's no point in shaking your head. This is the truth as it is in Jesus. This is the truth. Here we have the truth. And what's more, you know it is the truth. I'm speaking to you. Your conscience has been addressed because you're made in the image of God. And when God's word is proclaimed to you, your conscience comes alive and it begins to speak to you. It begins to convict you. He that believeth in the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. What a terrible position to be in. That is your position today. The whole of mankind, therefore, the whole of humanity can be separated into two categories. It's either those who believe in Jesus or those who do not. Where do you stand? What are you trusting upon? You won't. Why not, sir? Why not? You know, remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Give your life to Christ now, 
follow him now, believe upon him now, take up the cross now, follow Christ now, friends, while you still have breath in your bodies, while there's still life in you, give to the Savior your life, call upon him while he is near. We're going to take a short break, but may the Lord bless his word to you this afternoon. Good afternoon, we're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing our local congregation. We meet at Two Thornwood Terrace. That's just up Dumbarton Road. When you come to the police station, opposite the police station, go up that steep hill there and you'll come first of all to Thornwood Primary School and then you'll meet our building on the crossroads next to it. We extend a warm welcome to you. Come along any Lord's Day Sunday at 11 a.m. or 6 p.m. or come along on Wednesday evening for we have a evening meeting at 7.30 p.m. We extend a warm welcome to you. We come out friends in order that we might introduce to you the, the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we do this? Well because the Bible tells us you are to put your faith and your hope and your trust upon this person. Now we realize that today we live times when many people are ignorant about the person and the work of the Lord Jesus. And therefore, how could possibly be expected to put their faith and their hope and their trust upon someone they know nothing about? Well, that's why we come out. We come out in order that we might be able to tell you something about this person, that you might put your faith and hope and trust upon him, that you might know what it is to have your sins forgiven, to be reconciled to God, and to know the, the joy of being ready for eternity. Because friends, we're all going to go to eternity, whether we like it or not. We cannot avoid it. We're mortal. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. And we have to be ready. We have to be prepared. But who is this person that you are to put your faith and hope and trust upon? Well, he is the eternally begotten Son of God. And Paul outlines him for us in Philippians chapter 2. Let me read one or two verses from that chapter that tell us just something about Jesus Christ. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. There we have a description of the humiliation 
and condescension of who? of the Son of God the eternally begotten Son in Christian theology there's the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit three persons, one God, the same in substance equal in power and in glory and the Son of God is eternal there never was a time when he was not there he is like God himself eternal but there came a time when he came down to this earth and he became like us just like us he took our form and our nature he became a man so that he is the God man there's no one like him no one like him fully God and fully man and he had to be this way why? in order that he might save us you see mankind had to be saved and a man had to do it and that man was the man Christ Jesus and he did it friends when he came down to this world and lived a perfect life no one's ever lived a perfect life but Christ Adam was perfect but he fell Eve was perfect but she fell also they became sinners and because we've all come from Adam and Eve we're all sinners therefore none of us can live a perfect life it's impossible absolutely impossible but not for the Son of God because he was conceived by an extraordinary work of the Holy Spirit so that he did not inherit original sin and therefore he was able to live a perfect life and because he lived a perfect life he was able therefore when the time came to offer up a perfect sacrifice again this is important why had he got to offer up a perfect sacrifice well because God is a God who demands that sin is punished sin had to be punished God cannot sweep it under the carpet God cannot wink upon it he has to do something about it and he chose yes he chose to punish his son in our place God laid upon him the iniquity of us all our sins mankind's sin was placed upon Christ and therefore when he was on that cross he was being punished as our substitute as our surety God did not go soft on sin instead he punished his son now what has that got to do with you and I? well this is what it's got to do with us we must believe upon him and when we believe upon Jesus our sins are forgiven why? because God has punished Christ in our place and God is a God of justice he cannot demand payment twice if Jesus has paid the price of my sins then God cannot demand payment from me impossible because God is a God of justice therefore here is the good news of the Christian gospel 
here is the good news from heaven. Here is the good news that all of us must hear. There's a way to be made right with God. It's through believing upon Jesus Christ and upon Him alone. There's no other Savior. There's no other way. No one has come, else has come down from heaven. No one has been punished in the room and place of sinners. This is God's way. This is the only way. The way that He Himself has devised. Whereby His justice can be satisfied. And also His love towards sinners can also be fully displayed. And that's why we go out, friends, in order to tell you the story about Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He had to humble himself. But friends, we rejoice today that his days of humiliation are finished. They are finished forever. Because... Paul goes on to tell us, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Friends, we're here to tell you about the Savior. It may well be that you will reject the Savior. We hope not, but it may well be. But the day will come when you will bow before Him, every one of you, without exception. You will bow before King Jesus. You will give account. No, I won't shut up, sir. You will bow before him. Not before me or anyone else. But you will bow before King Jesus. And you will confess with your tongue that he is Lord. You might deny him at the moment. You might disdain him. You might think little of him. You might blaspheme him. You might reject him. You might be like the Jews who said, Crucify him, crucify him. We will not have this man to reign over us. You might be like them. And you might be like that for a period of time. But one day you'll bow. A Christian is one who has bowed the knee by grace. He has been brought to realize that Christ indeed is Lord and Savior. And by the grace of God we bow before him and we acknowledge him. But if it's not done by grace, friends, you will be you will be constrained. You will bow before him. Every nation, every tongue, every color, it matters not. Jesus Christ is Lord. That day will come. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Hello, do you You want a tract? These are just my text. You'll get, you'll get, a, you'll get a tract from this man here. You'll get a tract from him. These, these are my texts that I use. Okay, cut up.
Ecclesia were out in order to tell you something about the Saviour. Because you are ours to put your faith and hope and trust upon the Saviour. And if you don't know the Saviour, how can you possibly put your faith and hope and trust upon him? Partick, Free Church of Scotland, continuing. Do you? Oh, good. You know the area better than I do. Okay, okay. Well, love to see you if you can make it. That's okay. That's okay. Every blessing to you. Bye-bye. <coughs> but you know, friends, he's the saviour. But do, do you know that he's actually the creator as well? He's the creator. Here Paul talks about Jesus and says this about him. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. He's the one who has created all things, everything. He has created this physical world and all that's in it. And he has created the spiritual world. There's another world round about us, friends, a spiritual world, a world that we cannot see. But it's there. And one day we'll see it more and more clearly than ever before. For by him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. You'll never know your purpose in life. You'll never have a full life until you're reconciled to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the great hope and purpose of life itself, in order that you might be reconciled to God. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. John says of him, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's a reference to Jesus Christ. He is God in the flesh. And therefore, when we put our faith and hope and trust upon the Lord Jesus Christ, it's no mere man. Because no mere man could save us. We need a divine saviour. And that's what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. All things were made by him, and without him, was not anything made that was made. That's the Saviour. So we're here from Partick, Free Church of Scotland, continuing a local congregation. We're going to draw our time to a close. We've been here for about an hour and a half. But we just want to say a word maybe to those who are off to this music festival this afternoon and tomorrow on the Lord's Day. Well, friends, you'll go to the music festival with all your problems, and maybe for a few hours you'll forget about your problems, but when Monday comes round, all your problems will still be there. And no doubt, no doubt, many things will happen at the music festival. Many people will be drunk. Many people might be taking drugs. 
Many people might be engaging in premarital sex. Maybe there might be many, many pregnancies. And as a result, maybe there might be many, many abortions. And then you begin to wonder, was it really a joyful occasion at all? Was a music festival there? Was it really a joyful thing at all? When all this sin is going on? Friends, the only true happiness is found when you're right with God. And the only way to be right with God is to come and to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, to have Him as your Lord and as your Savior. There's no other way. There's no other way. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. We have people today who are running after pleasure. Pleasure. That's all they live for. Well, friends, true pleasure is only found in Jesus Christ the Lord. And that's why we come out, that you might be taken away from the things of this world, that you might have an eye towards eternity, because all of us are heading on that direction. We're on a conveyor belt, and one day we'll come off that conveyor belt, and we'll find ourselves in eternity. It is, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Are you ready for that day? There's no point in shaking your head. That day will come. Are you ready for it? The only way to be ready is to have a Savior, one who died in your room and in your place. May God bless his word to you this afternoon. And thank you for listening.